Hi everyone. You have found me and my podcast, Processing the Process. I am Lisa Tams and I am just a mom who has supported and survived having two kids, actually that's two boys, apply, pre-screen, and audition for college musical theater programs. All of these steps together, I refer to, and many people do, as the process. Thus, the name of this podcast, Processing the Process. Going through it my first time around with my oldest son, I searched for something like this podcast, and I didn't find anything. And so I decided to fill that void. And that is how this podcast was born. I hope that by listening, other parents will benefit from my experience and get insight to this very specific process. So that's a little bit about me, this podcast, and what you can expect. On with the show. Enjoy. You're listening to episode 17 of Processing the Process. And this episode's title is The Journey, Beginning Through to Final Decision and the Challenges of Success. Happy New Year. I hope everyone had wonderful holidays. It's actually Martin Luther King weekend. And I think maybe the New York Unifieds happened this past weekend. And if not, it's coming up shortly, as well as the Chicago Unifieds beginning of February. So if your child is coming up on the 2020 Unifieds, this episode is going to be especially in sync with where you're at with your child in this process. Bear with me because the first part of this podcast is recorded in the lobby of the Palmer House last year, 2019 Unifieds, Chicago. And you will hear a lot of background noise. I almost did not use this audio because of it. And I've been hanging on to it. And I finally just thought, you know what? It's just, there's good stuff here. And how about if I reconnect with Elizabeth and get an update and I can use what I have and then add this new second part that covers everything that happened from that conversation through to her son's acceptance. So in this process, I was very fortunate to meet some other moms who were also going through this process with their child. They happened to be boy moms, <laughs> um, but great people. And it's just, we don't even live in the same town. Um, I couldn't even tell you what town they live in. <laughs> I actually didn't know where Elizabeth, who I interviewed in this podcast, was actually from. Just knowing that they were out there chatting with them along the way was just such a huge comfort and sanity check for me. So this is with Elizabeth and 
her son, like I said, was also going through the application and auditioning process last year. The second part of this podcast is an update of her journey with her son from that conversation in the lobby of the Palmer House in February of 2019 at Unified's and what happened as they navigated through everything from then until ultimately making a decision on which program her son would attend. I think you're really gonna love this and if you just can't make it through first half with the background noise, um, be sure to fast forward to the second part of our chat because there's just a lot of information and good wisdom about the challenges of success and lots of considerations that Elizabeth worked through with her son. I just really enjoyed talking to her and was so enlightened by new epiphanies, even though I've been through this twice. I know that this will help you if you are currently going through this process with your child or if you are looking ahead to going through this process with your child. So enjoy. And lastly, I did leave a link that you can go to through Anchor, which is the platform that I use to publish my podcast and actually leave a voice message for me, which I would love if you would take a minute to just let me know what you think. I would really so very much appreciate it. And also any suggestions or things that you think I could do better. Yeah. So enjoy. Okay. So um, I want to go back and just talk about getting here. I think it's been years in the making. He really became he enamored with the whole stage thing in kindergarten when he went to see a show at our local community theater um, with his kindergarten class. And he kept bugging us to go and like try out. And we're like, what is that? No, we're not doing it. And finally, we relented. And so just before first grade, we let him do his first, his first show. And he hasn't stopped. Um, he did community theater and then joined a young professional conservatory sophomore year of high school. He did like an hour of jazz a week, a couple of years, and then added an hour of tap at some point. When he was 11, he just delved into the dance world. And he saw Billy Elliot, like all boys at that age, fell in love. And we went to a Billy Elliot, um, you know how they go around the country and they do like special dance classes. Thinking he was like the best dancer ever, and he went in and he was like, Oh my gosh, I'm horrible, I don't know what I'm doing, I can't keep up, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, so he started to really concentrate a little bit more on dance at that point, to the point where the last three years he's been part of a company that does dance competitions. Oh, totally different world than theater for those of you out there, which is also just a huge commitment. Huge commitment. He drives an hour. Luckily, it was sophomore year, so we only had to drive him for about six months before he could drive himself. And so he leaves right after school, drives about an hour away from us, and dances for about four or five hours, and then drives home, and then gets his homework done. 
does it all again the next day and fits in his acting classes, his voice lessons, and all of that. Um, so this commitment, he didn't really have the time to invest. And our high school has some strong programs, um, but not to the level that he was performing at at that point. And not with the time commitment. Like, I think for him at points, he was kind of sad that he wasn't more integrated into the fabric. Of high school. Mm-hmm. And most of his friends were in other places, so it was just, that's just the way it was. So did he struggle with that? He did. He, you know, there's been times when he struggled with social, you know, connections. Um, he was always a little bit, even though he has an amazing friend group, that a lot of them are in this space as well. Um, even some of them at his high school, great, great kids he's been with since he was, like, young. Um, but he was a little off step. He was never really doing what everyone else was doing. Oh, I know. <laughs> and so even within that friend group, he was slightly doing different things. Since he started sophomore year of high school, he's been maybe one show, but actually the acting and singing. I think he's been in one as conservatory and one during the summer. And those are the only shows he's done. Mm. So that love of being on the stage and doing the whole acting, singing, dancing... He hasn't had, I mean, he's definitely done the dancing ones. He's done the training. And he's done the training. pieces. Yeah, but he hasn't actually had that show experience that he'd be like, I just want to be in a show with my friends. Yeah. It's like a hunger. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so true. It is so like a hunger. Yeah, so it's it's been a different high school experience for him because of that. But I don't think he would change it now. I think once we've, we've reached Chicago, and I feel like this is like... The pinnacle of all this work. Oh, that's a great word. I was calling it crescendo. Okay, crescendo works. But I think, yes, it's just... It's a pinnacle, and it's just like all those years of putting in the training, it's really paid off. Yeah, it kind of makes you want to cry. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, It is. It is. And have you been hands-on? I'm not a hands-on mom. I work a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, That's full-time plus. Um... As you sit here in the lobby with your computer. And my computer that's not getting the internet, yes. <laughs> so just for anyone who comes to the powerhouse and knows the internet is kind of a um, Not always. Different points of view. <laughs> uh, so I kind of let him lead the way. I never was one of those moms. Like, like, all I said to him when we started this whole application process was, if you want to be at these schools, you need to decide what schools those are. Your deadline to get all your applications and pre-screens done is September 15th. I don't know how you're going to do that, but, you know, October 1st is the absolute latest for some of the later ones, but if you're not done with an application by then, I'm thinking that you're not that vested in that program. And I said, I think I said I'd pay for 16 or 17 applications, and then the rest of them he had to figure out either to pay for himself or to get waivers. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so he got a couple waivers. He, like, wrote sob stories. I also like your thought about, you know, telling them, you know, to come up with a plan about, like, the financial investment of just the application process because it's... I haven't added it up. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either, but, you know, you do your normal application, so you send your scores to all the schools, and yes. that costs well, money. You have to send your AP scores, you guys send your SAT, ACT scores, like, because we did both. 
but yeah, and when we took the SAT, he took it December of his junior year, and I was like, just take it, you don't have time to study, just take it, and if your score is where it needs to be, then you don't have to take it again, and that was our philosophy. So when he took it, we didn't have any schools to put down, so we didn't get any free ones. Mm. If you want to take the SAT, you can write down like up to five or six schools, I think. You can send those scores. If, if you're not sure about not what those sure scores are going to look like. Yeah, and you don't know which schools you're really, I mean, by fall semester junior year, we weren't at that point yet. I remember telling Tommy... I remember him coming home, and um, we started talking about, he took the ACT. Did you put schools down? And he did. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) But it's not supposed to matter. It's not supposed to matter, but... I know, but you just can't help but think, like, you know, if you you did get, like, you know, 10 points lower than what you eventually work up to, Mm -hmm. like, what does that... What does that mean? Will they look at that? Will they? Who knows? I don't know. And I, I I work in higher education, and I work on the career development side, but I also help out in admissions at times, and this is for graduate students, so definitely a slightly different experience. But, I mean, they'll see the scores, like every score. They might only look at the highest one or the last one. You know, every school is slightly different on how that works, but... You still see it. It still gets printed out from the system. So it still hits their their brains. Yeah, it still hits their brains. They increase and they get better. Oh, look at that. They they improved. But what if you take it again and you don't do it as well? Mm-hmm. Or it's erratic. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, we were lucky. He took it the first time. He did well enough that we didn't have to do it again. So we just went ahead. But then we had to pay for every single SAT score to be sent. Right, so coming back around to the expense, so there's that phase of inv- the investment, and then the pre-screen yeah. also has a fee attached to it, yep. which is significantly more, yep. and they vary. Yeah, I think the lowest we ever saw was 35. And what was your highest? 150. Yeah, I think ours was 125. Yeah, so the average is probably somewhere between 65 and 80. So then there's that, and you multiply this times, you know, 20 schools, yeah. which we didn't apply to 20. That was smart. <laughs> but um, 14. Still a lot. Still a lot. Still a lot. We, he ended up applying to 22 programs. Two of them BAs, right? Two of them just straight BA programs. I, I think double major in theater and sociology. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we didn't do any of that. So do you have to pay a double fee? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. No, nope, it's not one artistic fee. No. Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to go on a tangent here. I think it's so funny how we say we and you. Yeah. Because somebody who isn't in this process and never has been, never will be, and people who aren't yet... I look at that like, oh my gosh, like, let them do it. <laughs> but it's a family commitment. Even if you're as hands-off as I am, he asked me to look at one essay, and I made 
one or two small suggestions. So I was really hands-on compared to like many parents that I've met um, in that regard, and like essays and applications. I'm like, I just didn't have time mm-hmm. uh, to really be there for that process. But you still have to be a part of it. It's still a family commitment. Financially, it's a family commitment. You know, my younger son has asked to do one or two things, and I'm like, can you wait till next year? Because it's just not in the financial books to be able to do that. And then, you know, the time commitment, because you're doing, you know, yes, they can do all the artistic stuff. Yes, they should be in charge of their own applications, for the most part. But you should be checking them over. Do they actually put your income in right? Do they actually put your name and what you actually do in the little bubbles right? So you do have to go back through and just make sure, did they actually write your address correctly? Well, and I tried initially to be really hands-off this time. Mm-hmm. We set him up with like somebody who manages the regular part of the college application. But kind of she went past that a little bit into like the surplus essays and the deadlines and all of that. And, and then in November... I um, was looking back on his applications, and thank God, because he accidentally, and they, are, they can be confusing, but at one school, he like applied to theater arts instead of drama, which is where the musical theater... Oh, my gosh program fell under. Oh my gosh. So then we had to get in touch with the school and ask them to switch it. And that happened on a few things. And then I was like, okay, I'm back in. I gotta double check all this. Yeah, because the thing is is that it's so confusing how each school does it very differently. So you can't say, oh it was like this at this school, so it's like this at the next school. You can't every school is so different. Even in terms of your screens and what they ask for, like you could probably get away with having five different monologues um, spanning classical to contemporary, but you have to have different cuts for each one. You have to have your 60-second cut, your 90-second cut, your two-minute cut, and you just have to be ready for all that. Um, but then the application part, yeah, you have to go back there and check because every school is like, this one it's under the theater arts department, this one it's under the drama department, this one has its own specific musical theater. Like, the list is long, and when you're scrolling through a list and you're 6, 17, 18 years old and you've been up all night doing homework and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're trying to get this done on your own, you're going to miss something. Unless you are like a type A detail-oriented person. Yeah. And even then, I just think with everything else that's going on in their lives and just a maturity level, most of the time this is going to be too much for them to do completely on their own. And that said, I do know a few people who have kids who have done it on their own. And that's amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I know. I mean, my kid is a type A person. I mean, he is the kind of kid that just gets all that stuff done and does whatever, but I mean... When they're as busy as our kids are too, it's just hard to not have a mistake and not have something.
I didn't double check all of his applications or anything, but like if I found a mistake on one, like if I double checked one, I'd be like, hey, by the way, I found this mistake. Did you want to go back and double check that you actually have all 20 of them? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I just didn't think they cared about that. No, they asked it for a reason, so you have to go back and do that. The one part I never had him do is I did the FASTA and I did the CSS profile because that, they don't know how to represent that um, and knowing where to find your tax information because it's like the FASTA lets you do it directly through your, um, the IRS you can download it, which is do it. Don't try to do it on your own. Just let them. I think my husband tried to do it on his own. He, I swear, was beside himself and this is his third time this is oh he's, he's taking care of it you know that that part but the cc css this is the first time that we've done that and uh, he he was like i don't know i don't even know if i did it right but I, i'm I, done i'm gonna agree with you this one. i have no idea if i did it right i said i was done i still haven't finished like the idoc thing like you have to upload but what really irritates me is that they're charging you to ask them for money. And I don't know how, I do remember going, this is ridiculously expensive. And it was only like six or seven schools, and I still felt like... Oh, right, because you have to submit that, and you pay for each school. You pay for each school. So that but not with the FAFSA. No, the FAFSA's free. Right. The FAFSA's free. Get it done in October. That way you'll start hearing academic admittances earlier, and you'll understand how much money you're getting on the academic that's an incredible boost to them. Even if it's not the artistic side, they're like, oh, well, I have some place to go and have money or not on the mm -hmm. academic merit side. Um, and then the CSS, I honestly, we did it. My husband did it. But what, what is that? I think it's mostly for private schools. So we had to do it for um, Stanford. Um, it really stinks because you have to do these CSS profiles before you know you get in. And then you're like, wow, I just wasted money for a school I didn't get into. Uh, you know, like Stanford was, my husband had asked my my son to apply to one California school. And that's the one he chose. No one would think full well that he wouldn't get in because it's Stanford. But it just, like, it pains me that you just paid for something that's not even a shop. Like, you know it's not going to happen, but they won't look at your application supposedly without it. So you're like, wow, I just got like $15 for each one. It adds up. You know, I think it was like over $100 in CSS fees. And I don't understand why they require this. I don't. It does allow you to give a fuller picture of your financial situation. So the FAFSA really just looks at how much money you make. They don't take in consideration your regional location. It doesn't take in consideration, you know, things that just don't show up on your taxes, whether you're supporting parents, um, other siblings or you know they, it just doesn't so it does allow the schools to see a fuller picture in your financial situation um, which could lead to more money if you have to get into that school but I wish it would be something that you submit after you've been accepted yeah that would make sense it would make much more sense and maybe you could maybe I was just type a enough or you know worried enough that I was like oh my god I gotta get this done it's just like uh I so if the school doesn't have CSS, that's good. I'm all for that. <laughs> and it, you're not required to do it. You're not required, and you know, like a, like many of us, I think, 
even with the FAFSA, you're like, well, I'm not going to get any money anyway because of where I sit in the financial space. I don't have enough money to actually send my kid to school, but I don't have, you know, money that I'm going to get money to help send them to school. Mm -hmm. But I do know that without those documents in hand, they can't make a financial merit scholarship or talent scholarship to us. It behooves everyone to just send them in no matter how useless you think it might because it does help them make financial rewards. Yeah, I mean, I read, I read the thing and I was like, oh yeah, we, we need to do this. Um, and I did read about the talent scholarship part, about scholarships and that they had to have it, and I was like, okay. Because some of the schools that Tommy's applying to are like so exorbitant to the point that Eric was like, you know, maybe he shouldn't even apply there. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to do as a parent. I think that was probably the hardest conversation we had. I don't want to say no, you shouldn't apply to school A, because you don't know if they're going to get in or not. And you don't know if they're going to give you any money or not. So I'm, I erred on the side of, hey, this is how much we can afford to give you every year for school. This is what your financial life will look like. Uh, so I was very upfront and actually did like, hey, these are schools that are outside that realm that if you got money, great, but if you didn't get money, just so you know, using, they have online low re loan repayment um, calculators. Mm -hmm. So using the highest percentage rate, we did the loan repayment. Like this is how much loans you have to take out if you get them to the school and you choose to go there. Just so you know what that looks like, you know, whether that's $350 a month for 25 years, mm. or, you know, what does that look like on top of what else you want to do? And mm -hmm. just having them have that number in their head. So smart. I mean, we still didn't stop them from applying to those schools that we know we can't afford. They're charging seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year. And there's just, you know, I feel at this point, they need to try because those schools mean so much to them. Maybe they don't end up there, but the affirmation of having an amazing audition with that group um, and possibly getting an acceptance, even if they end up not going there because it's just not financially feasible, it's still one of those things where like, I did it. It's an internal affirmation for them. They can carry through the next four years. Yeah. As long as you have that conversation with them. Like, I think if you don't have the finance conversation with your child, and that does become a deciding factor in whether they can go to that school of their dreams, and they haven't known that from the beginning, I think that is probably crushingly devastating. Mm -hmm. I think it's not worth, and there's more and more conversation and more and more out there about this in general, not just when it comes to the arts, but maybe more so when it comes to the arts because it's just assumed that you're going to have a lower income level for, you know, At some period of time, yeah. Um, just, you know, don't go into debt. Yeah. Or if you don't go into debt, make it a reasonable debt. Yeah. So in our family, in our family, we chose arbitrarily um, what would be a good amount of debt to bring responsibility and our arbitrary number is between 15 and 20,000 overall for four years. It's still doable to pay off salary of 30,000 a year, which is right now the average equity average, 30,000, um, and still live even in New York. You mean you might have an extra roommate or two, um, you might be eating ramen every night, <laughs> you know, you, it's still doable and it's still something that 
brings a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, love to do this with zero debt. There would be a beautiful gift for them to have. Um, but up to 20000 we were, we're like, that's an okay number for you to manage. You know, it's just like if you had to live somewhere and buy a car, that's your car payment. So yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, if you weren't in New York and say you were in Texas or L.A., I mean, in L.A., you need a car. Thinking in those terms of like, okay, you'd have to do that anyway at some point. Yeah. Hmm. But it's definitely up to each individual. One of my interviews, one of the moms, she just made a comment about how this field in the arts is like for the privilege, like who, you know, will be supported. I don't disagree on some points of that. I mean, I do, there's a little bit of me that disagrees, but I think overall when I look through this process, who can afford to pay these application fees and double application fees? I mean, if we're struggling and we have the socioeconomic means to make this happen, and the educate the background and education to search for information to learn. And this process is confusing and difficult for us. I can't imagine what it would be like for someone who comes from a background where education hasn't been as valued or it hasn't been able to be achieved because of whatever lack of opportunities in their community have been existed there. And to have to navigate this process I mean, there's just no way that they could do that. And I know that there's lots of waivers out there. I mean, the one good thing about waivers is that they do exist, and you have to know to ask for them and how to ask for them. So either you have to have a really amazing high school counselor who understands this artistic side. And did you? No, I mean, our counselor has been amazing. I love her to death. So we talked to her junior year about, like, this is what we're going to need from you at a much faster rate than what you do for everyone else because, you know, it's a much earlier deadline for everything that high school counselors have to put through. And, you know, at our high school, there's one counselor for every 800 kids. Or mm. But I think if I wasn't there to help present what the process was and what we needed and, like, let my son, like, go through with her, like, hey, this is what I need, this is what it looks like, these are the dates... I don't think she would have been able to figure it out for someone who had no idea and was looking to her for information. Right, so not every child who has the talent to occupy one of these spots has an advocate who will be that person for them. Because I work in career development for a business school, one of the things I know, the networking piece, these unified auditions, whether it's Chicago, whether it's New York, I believe it probably LA as well, these opportunities for these kids to network and build relationships, you know, in the hallways, as they're going in between, as they're waiting, as they're eating pizza, as they're, whatever it is that they're doing, those networks are gonna take them so far into their livelihood of going into the arts. You know, in my mind, I think it's truly about the networking. So the summer programs that they're able to go to, no matter which ones they are, whether they're local or far away, um, having that experience and building out that network while they're in high school and then having these unified experiences and building those friendships, I think that network and those relationships are going to take them so far in their professional career because 10 years down the line, they're either going to be working for each other, they're going to be on a show together, working with, working for, hiring, firing. 
they're all going to be part of this creative process in this really small community. It seems really big, but it's very small. And so that in and of itself is going to be a lifelong opportunity for them. It is hugely valuable to have that. Um, to have a sense of belonging. Yeah. To be with your quote unquote people. People? Yeah. Um, because there is just a sense of these kids are all so different from each other. There is no type. No. Which is such a beautiful thing. Such. About the performing arts. Yeah. Especially, I would say, musical theater because you don't have to look a certain way, you don't have to. You just can be you. you, and that's what you're most appreciated for. Yeah. Being amongst people who have all this in common, like, it's the right place to be to do this. Yeah, it really is. How has it been staying here? It's been good. Having the opportunity to stay in the Potter House is crazy, and I think depending on your kid and what their personality uh -huh. is, um, for some, it might be auditory overload uh -huh. and needs to like move on to somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but for my kid, who's very gregarious mm -hmm. and social and just loves to go bebop around and meet friends. Yeah, you can just tell that by like a second in his presence. Yeah. So um, for him, this has been great. And we did. I was so worried about the whole thing that I kept forgetting that I made reservations. Three weeks ago, my son's like, uh, Mom, you only have one reservation for the hotel, right? And I was like, I think so. And I called, and I was like, I had like three or four <gasps> reservations. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm surprised when you called that they weren't like, oh, we already have somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, and it was like different floors, different things, oh or whatever. Gosh. And so, I mean, that's how crazy your mind is if you've never gone through this process. We ended up on an executive floor, which is... I think it's like 60 or $70 more, more per night, huh? but it's turned out to be a good use of money. Good thing is there's stairway access, but there's also a private elevator mm. that goes right up to the 22nd, 23rd floor and right down to the lobby. When you're up on the executive floor, you can either take the express elevator that goes straight from the lobby up to those two floors, uh -huh. or you can go to another bank of elevators that take you from the lobby to eight and then like 18 to 23. So there's like a bunch of floors that you don't get. Okay. Um, but you skip. Yeah, you skip I noticed that. You know, there are much cheaper ways to do Chicago. And, you know, for the kids who need that time away, again, don't stay in the Palmer house. Do your time here and then let them go and sit in, you know, a se totally separate hotel or an Airbnb or a cousin's flat somewhere. We have a, an amazing friend that's here right now, and their daughter is social when she needs to be, but also needs a lot of time on her own. She needs it. She'll, I'm going to go out from this time to this time with everyone, and then she knows how to take herself out of that situation, go back to her room and close the door, and maybe not see anyone until the next day. Just knowing your kid, because they're still getting that networking in. They're still having that time. They're still waiting in hallways to get in the room and having conversations and getting to know who people are. There's still that, and it doesn't have to be a complete social, oh my God, we're having fun all the time. Like, no, it can definitely just be, we need some quiet time. It's still being in Chicago or any of the Unifieds, I think really lends itself to that growth of network. Everyone's in the same position. No one's better than another. Everyone 
if you've made it past pre-screens and you've made it to these auditions, you are talented and you are part of this. And even that's only one pre-screen out of the five you sent in, you are still so talented and they should be so proud of themselves and what they've done, each and every one of these kids. So you, you had said that there were some things that um, you would have done differently. <laughs> yeah. I think some of the things I would have done differently, I would have stressed less. You know, I don't know how, but I would have like, I guess once you know it, you're like, oh, okay. I didn't have to worry about that second semester junior year. I was like, oh my gosh, what do I need to know? What do I need to do? Like, I don't know. And not knowing where to look for information. And if I just kind of let go just a little bit and not been so worried about the little logistical pieces, I think. You know, you have to know your deadlines. You have to know when to get things done. And we had amazing mentors for that through his conservatory group and also just friends who had been through the process as well. So we had a good idea of what that looked like. You need to get your pre-screens done. Having them done before they start school is a true gift to yourself and your family. <laughs> I have to say having my mandated deadlines just to make myself less crazy of like September 15th or October 1st to get everything done and into the schools you wanted to attend has made October through now a little less stressful because he could concentrate on the honors college applications because that's another application you have to do. Um, if your kid is of that into the academic portion or you're looking for more money from a school, that is definitely a way to do that. Those honors applications sometimes come with five or $10,000 worth of money or some kind of like housing. It, it comes with perks if you get into the honors college at any of the schools. It depends on the school how it works, but they end up with a senior project, so they might end up having to do an extra paper. But from that, a little extra money, you get to register before everyone else. You might have different access to different dorms or learning groups or mentors. So there's lots of opportunity and most of the programs, even in the musical theater space where there's like a very lockstep type program, they do have those general eds and those general eds that you're taking just as an honors college student is just slightly different than the other students. And so they make it work. Almost every college I've talked to has made it work. I haven't heard of one that doesn't. Um, so I have been through this before. So you would think that we would have been completely on top of getting things done and have things in order and that is not how it worked. Um, and then he also had more essays. Like Michigan asked them to do two more essays when they got here to Unifieds and asked them to come with another personal statement. Oh, he did acting and musical theater, so that's why we had two. But you know, it was like, oh my gosh, now we have two more. You know what I mean? Like the week before you're coming to Unifies and now all of a sudden like you're trying to get everything done and scrambled in together and now you have to write another essay. Now granted, most of the essays you can adapt and change and I mean if you're if you're if your kid has at least five or six base, base essays that you can always cut and paste and shorten lengthen whatever you need to do you just need like five or i would say five or six like solid essays that you can pull from yeah i think that's a good number and have them start working on those essays over the summer they don't want to my son was invited to spend a week in new york with a friend and part of the acceptance of me allowing him to do that 
was he had to get like three essays written. You are creative. I'm not creative. I'm a briber. <laughs> it was like, if you want to go do that, you need to get three essays done before you go. So I definitely found ways to incentivize the writing process. And I had another mom texting him and being like, hey, how's it going? What you doing? How's those essays coming? I'm looking forward to reading them. <laughs> and so it takes a village. It still takes a complete village to make this happen. So that's the end of the first part of this podcast. Stay tuned after a quick break to hear the second part. This is the second part of this podcast. Elizabeth and I reconnect. She fills me in on lots that has happened. Hey, Lisa. How are, How are you? Good. How are you? I thought, why did I think you were in California? I don't know. <laughs> I'm in Michigan. <laughs> I don't know. And you know what? I had you in my mind, like on the East Coast, Upper East Coast. For some reason. <laughs> why? I think probably because I grew up in New Jersey and I have that attitude. Maybe. I don't know. I guess that we didn't truly establish that <laughs> last time that we talked, which is almost a year ago. Can you imagine that it's been a year? I feel like it's been like two years. I really do. Looking at some of the people who are going to like unifies and all of that, I was like, seems like forever ago. Oh my gosh. It's weird how the perception changes and like what you were stressing about last year at this time and like now like thinking like really I could have just taken a little bit more of a back seat and just let it all go yeah 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 but <laughs> I mean dear year crazy I think it is I think the expectations for these kids being a senior in high school most of them are you know, most of them are, you know, pretty solid academically. So they are putting time into their classes as well. Plus they have all this other outside commitments. Plus they have this on top of it. Did you find with Tommy, it was the same way. I mean, just burnt out on so many ends, like definitely so many deadlines, so many like crescendo moments, all the things that they were involved in. And as a senior, it's great because on one hand, you know, they're being highlighted and congratulated and held up and recognized and they get premier opportunities. But when something as important as applying and auditioning for your next four years in the way that applying for college musical theater programs demands, it is so, so much for them. So much. And it's hard because they also want to just hang out with their friends, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is the last time I might see some of these people for a long time. Or You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I just thought I would reconnect with you and kind of go over between then and now. And how did it shake out for G-Men after Unified? Mm. You know... Wow, because I completely forgot what we I mean, I know we said a lot of incredible things at that time, but um, I don't know exactly what I said. But looking back on this one year later, after Unifieds, he had quite a few offers. Um, he was very blessed in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, I do think looking back on it, some of that comes from the fact that he was probably a little bit older than most of the other kids mm. because his birthday's in December. 
he had already turned 18 last year mm-hmm. at this time. So I know people are like, oh, you know, that's not a big deal. But I think there is something to be said about this few extra months of maturity. I mean, he wasn't able to start school any sooner than he did. So he just, you know, that's just where he fell, right? But I do think that few extra months gave him a little bit extra ability to kind of just walk into the room with that confidence of just being who he is. I mean, he definitely put in the training and the practice and, you know, everything else that everybody else does. But that extra few months just gave him that little edge of maturity so that when he walked in a room, he was just very sure of who he was. So we had the blessing of many offers. Um, I think his top offers when we finished off at Unifies, we did not do any more on campus after that. We had the opportunity to do so and I had him just cancel it. It was just kind of at that point, it was like sitting with him and saying, based on the criteria that you have set for yourself, A, are we still using that same criteria for for choosing a program? And if so, would going to this campus and getting an offer from them change your list that you have currently of acceptances on where they rank? You know, and being a very honest conversation, would it change if they gave you a full ride? Yes or no. And, you know, most of the time it's like, well, no, because based on these offers, even if I got a full ride here, if I could get the money for this place, I'd much more rather go to this place. Right. So that was a very important conversation to have with him at the time. So much to sift through. And it was really hard to, I think as parents, we want to kind of like, over guide sometimes I don't want to say that we do but I know for myself it's like I just want to jump in with like well this would be your answer honey yeah (laughs) isn't it obvious this is the answer but really taking the time we were able to forge a better relationship as mother and son and even with my husband where we just kind of sat back and we asked the what and how questions and the why and and just kind of let it sit there and let him process through what those decisions were. We would say, you might want to reach out to this person. You might want to reach out to this person and ask them what their perspective is. You mean people at the schools or staff or students? So we would say things like, do you have somebody that you can contact that are students there right now? And if you did, we'd say you should reach out. Because we used Moo Mm -hmm. last year, I had said, you know, you should reach out to Moo and ask her what her perspective is on these different offers and what she thinks they're trying to actually say in this email, you know, like <laughs> decipher the code, decipher <laughs> the code. Um, or I reached out to ask about the financial piece, right? You know, that was one part where he did a lot of the talking directly with the directors about financial aid, but then when he would bring the information back to us, I needed to piece through what that really meant mm-hmm. um, and what I could ask and what I couldn't ask, right? Like, can I, can I ask them for this? Can I ask them for that? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. can I go back to them and ask for more money or can we negotiate in this way? Um, And so, you know, that was really important on both sides to have that ability. Did those offers come as part of the initial communication of your accepted or were they conversations that G-Men had with them on his own? What did that look like? So when the BFA MT acceptances came, there were some initial 
offers on the table with finances or you had your official acceptance, right? Like, oh, you've been accepted to the program kind of thing. And then sometimes a director and Jimin would email the director back and say, thank you so much for the offer. We'll need to consider that. My parents and I are looking at both the financial implications as well as my artistic growth, mm-hmm. you know, something to that degree. And I'm hoping that your program, you know, I don't know how he worded it, but. That we can come to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, need, we need an agreement here because, you know, I'm not paying $80,000 a year. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can't even imagine. I can't. I, there's just no way. Yeah. Um, then the directors would be like, we're so glad you're interested. Here's initially what I can financially offer you. What do you think about this? Or he would have direct communication with directors who were like, you know, when I went to get my MFA at Yale, I took on the burden of finances because that burden pays off in the end. And you're like, oh, so you're not giving me any money. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I can do <laughs> so that's that code for, really well. That's good for no There will money. be no more money coming. Yeah. Or programs where like he was very blessed. He got into the Michigan MT and Michigan acting program. And they, I mean, truly, totally amazing. They were willing to kind of develop a program that mixed the two programs since they don't really overlap at Michigan, but they weren't willing to really put enough stuff on paper, you know, and the finance piece. Because when you're out of state in Michigan, it is not a cheap place to attend. Yeah, it's a big difference. (sighs) It's a huge difference. Um, Because for us, it's like, oh, well. I mean, are you kidding me? It would be amazing. In-state tuition. Yeah, right? So, I mean, he asked about, can I get in-state tuition? He's like, Texas gives that. Texas offers in-state tuition. That's what Tommy got at right. You know, you need that in-state tuition to make it doable because, I mean, most of us who are going through this, we're we're not, we don't have those kinds of funds available. But they weren't even really willing to have the conversation at Mm -hmm. Michigan at all. I would just wonder, like, what is the conversation that they're having on their end? Like, this is, is it just hardline? Like, we don't do that? Yeah. Because there's so many people who want to come here that we will find somebody who will be okay with. Well, and I think what they do, from my understanding, and this is very limited understanding, because the Michigan program is amazing. And the people who run the program are incredible people, you know, and they're also, you know, myself working in higher education, I understand the financial constraints that each department has. It's kind of like, I think they look at the scholarship dollars that they have available, mm-hmm. right? This is the extra money we have. We can either give a little bit to a bunch of people, but it still wouldn't be enough to bring it down, right? So we can give like maybe 5000 to each person, or we can give one or two people a full ride, and then we can take the rest of the money that we have and help our upperclassmen stay in the program, mm-hmm. right? And it, it is a hard balance. I, being in higher education, I completely understand that balance between we have so much money available. It's a state-run university. We're getting state funds. We can only give, you know, like 33% or something. There's like a number that the state legislature gives to every state school, depending on your state, a percentage that you have to do scholarships for in-state people, out-of-state people. There's a whole formula to it. So it's not an easy process on their part. At all. So they're juggling and trying to optimize from mm-hmm. their end 
as well. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, unless they have donors who have given specifically for something, they have to follow these other rules um, based on my experience here working at the University of California. So I totally get what he, I totally understood where they were coming from. Right. But, you know, it did make it so that Michigan wasn't an option, even if it had clicked with him, mm-hmm. which he wasn't fully clicked in. I think that's the thing that people don't realize is that when you go out for these auditions, it's, yeah, I mean, name a school can bring some benefits, but it doesn't always bring a benefit, right? Mm -hmm. It's a possible benefit. It's a possible toolkit benefit, but it's not necessarily you're going to go from A to B. But I think the most important thing is that letting your kid do the conversations, letting your kid have those conversations with directors of programs and faculty members and students helps them see where they really feel like they're going to be heard and developed and accepted. And I think that was the gift of Jimin doing a lot of those conversations one-on-one with these directors and everything. He knew the places where people were really invested in him as an individual and where he felt that he could constantly have conversations with these adults. Yeah. I have to say that this sounds so similar to um, Frankie's experience of interviewing with agencies. Oh, interesting. And, you know, in the end, it kind of came down to a gut feeling where he really felt comfortable and not intimidated, supported, and also taking into consideration their ability based on their stats and reputation to bring him along. Exactly. And another really interesting thing is that his agency doesn't have his school on his profile. Really? Isn't that crazy? That's interesting. And it's like one of the best schools. You would think that it would be prominent. I would think that it would be prominent, but... Yeah, where did Frankie go again? I forget. He went to CCM. How does Frankie feel about that? Actually, my husband had the conversation with him that, and Frankie told him that. And my husband told me, so I haven't talked to Frankie about it, (laughs) you know, directly. But I think, you know, he's trusting them with Mm -hmm. their advisement on, and I'm sure they have a reason, a good reason. Mm -hmm. They're a reputable agency. Maybe they just don't want to focus on, you know, they, they, he, he looks very mature. Maybe they want that to be like the, yeah, something not like the, he's a recent graduate. And yeah. Has, yeah. So it's I, more I like, don't know that that would be something that I could surmise as po- a possibility mm-hmm. of that philosophy. But I do, I, I honestly, I don't know. And that's a good question. I, I need mm-hmm. to ask him. Huh. That's very interesting. Yeah, I think the experience. Wow. I mean, looking at our kids after they finish their first semester, I know I look at Jimin and I'm like, this was the right choice for him. As much as I maybe would have looked at other schools from a purely financial perspective, you know, but it's just the right place for him. And we haven't yet said out loud, where is he? Yes. Okay. He ended up at Penn State. I loved their 
program when we went to visit. I also just really like the campus and the environment and the feel of it all. So was Penn kind of always on his radar as being his? Yeah, it was. Yeah, he went to um, their summer program like two years prior, and he fell in love with the campus at that time. And he was like, I'm coming here. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, well, maybe. but (laughs) (laughs) Because you're out of state there, too. We're out of state there, too. But we were very blessed in that area as well. But um, it was still like, you know, honey, it's a really hard program to get into. Keep in mind what it is and where, you know, all these things. So when he got in, that was probably... He got into Penn State actually in December mm. prior to Unified's <gasps> after the so he got in after because he knew that. Yeah. So he um he auditioned for Penn State on campus in December, like their first on campus audition. He said, Mom, there's only one school that I want to be on campus for the auditions for. Two schools actually. He wanted to be on campus for Penn State and Texas State. They were really high on his list. And I said Let's see how that works out. Let's see if that's financially doable. And like we juggled a bunch of other things. I was like, if you're going to go on campus for these, we really need to talk about Florida State because that's a really hard place to get to. So we had to have these conversations like Florida State, Elon, UNCSA, these are all on-campus auditions. We can't do them all and unifieds and munifieds. And you know what I mean? Like that's just not financially feasible. Yeah. And Michigan, because he was like, oh, I want to do Michigan on campus. And I was like... Honey, (laughs) you're going to have to choose here which ones are most important to you. So he chose Penn State and Texas State as his on-campus audition places. Okay, so you did adopt the philosophy of, for your very top schools, figuring out how to get there and audition on campus. Exactly. And And there were choices that had to be made. Would his decision at the end have been different if he had done Michigan on campus? Maybe his decision might have been different. I'm not sure. You kind you of trust the process at that point. Yeah, exactly. You know, Elon, UNCSA, and FSU, he never even went. He just did the pre-screens because he got into Penn in December. Yeah. So it was like, you, you now need to make some, some harder choices. Not knowing really what Penn was going to offer him fully yet at that point? Or yeah, did he? No. They had offered some money, but um, honestly, it wasn't enough at that time. So, you know, because I was like, we're going to sit down and crunch numbers. We're going to learn what this is like. If you choose this at the, what they're offering right now, like this is how much it's going to cost you when you get out of college. We had some really hard reality check conversations where we put numbers on paper and really talked about what that meant for him and what that meant for the family. The other thing was he wanted to go to accepted students day in February to Penn State after Unifieds to see if it really was the right fit. At that time when he went, I said, well, if you're going to do accepted students day, then you definitely can't do FSU, Elon, and UNCSA because they're all different weekends. They're all really difficult places to get to from California. So like, that's just not going to happen. And so he went back on his own. The only travel I did with him was Munified, Unifieds, and the Penn State. Every other one, he went on his own. Mm. Um, so all the accepted students days, he just went by himself. He just couldn't afford it. <laughs> we live in California. Yeah. Get anywhere far. for less than like five or $600. How did you feel about that before and that as he was doing it? Before he did it, I was really focused on the money. Oh, that's right. He also went to New York to do pace on campus. 
for us, that's a cheaper, easier flight because it's like an overnight red eye. We basically got off a red eye and went to auditions <laughs> and then slept at a friend's house overnight and then got back on the plane the next day. I... Um, <laughs> at that point, they're just purely running on adrenaline. Oh, seriously. I'm not too worried. My kids have flown quite a few times. Nowadays, with all the apps, it's kind of like when you get off the plane at JFK, do you know how to get to into the city? You take the air train, you take it to here, like there's the map, there's the thing. You're eventually going to be doing this on your own anyway, go for it. But just make sure you check in with mom. Tell me when you get on the train. Tell me when you get off the train. Tell me yes. when you're at the subway stop. No different um, than when they went to go to a friend's house. It's like, call me when you get there. Get there. Call exactly. Me you know. This is like gravel across the United States. Exactly. New York's easy because it's one flight. You don't have to change planes. Yeah. Well, that's a big difference between having to change terminals and all that. Yeah, exactly. And then when he was gone, I was kind of sad because there's something magical that happens when you're with them on this journey. Yes. The time that you have together, you know, both of you are looking at each other like, ooh, to those times when you can see them just relax and be in their element. You know, Jimin was energized by auditions. Not everyone is energized by them. And seeing him in that element is always interesting because I'm not energized by that many people around me all the time. When you see them having such a positive reaction, no matter how stressed you are, it brings you up. Yeah. It gives you that fullness of heart. And you're just like, okay, this is good. This is what I want for my child. But at the same time, if you have a child who it doesn't energize yeah, and it stresses them out, um, you'll still have moments of seeing them have that burst of, yes, like this is what I... I'm here for. Exactly. Whether they're extrovert and introverted, there's a moment when they all just come alive and it's just like, you can see the joy coursing through them and it's, and you know, it's your last year with them. So it's like, you want to be there to see that joy. And you feel and, like you're missing out if you're not with them. I know. And then like, you also know your kids. So you know when to put boundaries on them. Like, okay, Jimin, I know you can go all night long, but tomorrow you got stuff to do. So we're going to talk about when you're actually going to disengage for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when you have to be back to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the end, someone asked me, since you knew in December that he got into Penn State and it was like probably the happiest moment through this whole process where he was like actually crying on the phone after he got the phone call mm. and he called me cause I wasn't there when he got the phone call. And it was a phone call, not a list. It was, it was, yeah, it was a phone call. He called me and I thought he got into a car accident cause he was like, you know, hiccuping crying, you know? And you're like, Oh my God, he's got into a car accident. Like, is everyone okay? And he's like, of course they're all okay. And then he told me and I was like, Oh my gosh. So, you know, it was well, somebody needs to make a documentary of just following <laughs> a child through this because I just that makes me get choked up. It's like just envisioning just that whole like exchange. It's just like, yeah, yes. Um, one of his friends got a video of him, thankfully, getting the phone call. And I was like, thank you so much. Yeah. And so someone asked me, they're like, well, then why are you continuing on if this seems right? And I was like, and maybe it was... I have to say, there's a lot of conversation about helping your child through rejection. There's never a conversation of helping your child through the success because people think if you have a successful offer, 
that it then just becomes, well, you're done. It's actually in some ways because it's so hard to talk about. And there was no one I could really talk to about it because everyone I knew was going through the same thing. And some people are having really good success and other people not having the success that they envision for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so how do you talk through like, these are his top four programs right now. And they're like, oh, well, if you got to do all four of those, then there's no need to have a conversation. But there was, right? I, I really wish there was someone that that I felt open enough with to talk to. And even for Jimin, it was really hard. He didn't feel that he could celebrate his success oh, see? at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And how do you do that with your friends when you have like, I mean, just from our area alone of people he was connected to, there was like 15 of them, mm. right? Both at his high school and at his acting conservatory. And like, that is a lot. And they were all extremely talented young people. And it was just really hard because if you mentioned anything, they'd be like, oh, you're just bragging. But no. It was a very delicate and difficult time in the spring and like just keeping everything, like not really saying much, but we did come up with our own system. And I will say Jimin is a visual person. And so he created this pyramid on our wall above our couch and it would change every night. I'd wake up the next morning and schools would be in different positions on the pyramid. Based on just him mulling it over. And yeah, what he was thinking. And so this is after all the offers are fully on the table and he's putting them up there. I was like, okay, I'm going to give you a week to mull it over, do what you need to do. This visual thing that you've got going on is kind of funny in its own special way. So go <laughs> for it. At the end of the week, I said, okay, the schools that I see at the bottom seem to have consistently been at the bottom. I think it's time you reach out and let them know you're no longer thinking of attending their program. And so he's like, okay, I can do that. And that's so important to the people who are being the mom of somebody who was on a waiting list somewhere that where they would have accepted had they been gotten mm -hmm. off of that waiting list. Yeah. It's so important to do that. Yeah. So important to do that as quickly as you possibly can. As soon as you know, like just making sure that you're taking it off. I mean, some of them, I was like, they, you it was really okay. It was, mm. <laughs> okay. I will tell you that the reason he was able to attend Penn state in the end was yes, they did give him some great talent based scholarships, but it was really down to his academics and his academic performance. Academics. This is such a good point because academics do matter. They do. They really do matter. And they matter in the ways that are, hard to understand. So I'll tell you, there was like a couple of schools at the top of his lists. One of them being Columbia. He actually got into Columbia wow. University, which obviously is not talent-based, right? Because there's no audition. It was a BA in theater. But and, it's such a validation of your academic abilities. Yeah. And, you know, my husband being from Korea, it was like, it's an Ivy League school, honey. Columbia actually paid for him to go to an accepted student's day, which was really nice. I don't know why. There was a couple of kids um, actually from the area that were on the tour, but because he's mixed race and he was going into a major that not, every, you know, most people going to Columbia are like econ majors. 
BA in theater, there's not as many, you know. So he was part of this special group that got to go to Columbia on this special weekend of acceptances. Um, and of course, my husband's like, you got to go. You might want to go there. It was just kind of funny because my husband's like, let's talk about this. <laughs> You know, and all of our friends who are from Korea or whose parents were from Korea, they're like, well, he's going to go to Columbia, right? Right, because it's such an accomplishment to be accepted. How can you pass that up? Yeah. And so, you know, he went because of the academic piece. Every time he applied for a college that had an honors college, I made him apply to the honors college as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he put in his academic application, his artistic application, and then he would also fill out the honors college application as well, which is usually another essay. So another essay and, and another letter of recommendation, did you say? Sometimes. But because of that, when he applied to Penn State, he got into the Honors College. And the Honors College at Penn State only takes 300 students out of the 40,000 a year. And so being part of the Honors College opens you up to even more academic funding. Mm. Right. You get so much money for being part of the college. You get access to other awards, both as a freshman for your tuition, but also as you go through the next four years, you have access to money for summer programs and everything. Wow. Yeah. So it's so important to know that academics can make a difference between being able to go to your dream school, financially feasible even when on paper, it doesn't look feasible. That's the most important lesson we learned is that there are schools that we all know are not financially feasible for most of us um, to pay out of pocket for. Um, so our kids don't come out with tons and tons of loans. But if you have that academic side, you're going to have more access to money. And the departments are more able to access those extra funds. And did you have to seek it out? So they gave us the original offer. And I said, that's sweet, so honey, but that's not enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then he got accepted to the Shriers Honors College, so that gave him a little bit more. And then when he went to Accepted Students Day and had his one-on-one -on -one conversation with the head of the program, you know, before he left, I said, you know, I know how much you want to go to this school. It seems like your top choice. To make this even part of the conversation, this is the total amount of money we're going to need from them to make it even a conversation starting point. You know, like if you don't want to come out of school with loans, this is how much they have to offer you. And so when he was there, he went and sat down with the director and they had a conversation. And I think that's the thing about Penn State that worked for him is that he felt comfortable enough to have that conversation with the director one on one and pretty directly. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, based on conversations with my mom and dad and based on this, he was able to say, this is how much we need to make this a, a definite yes. Yeah. And that's and intimidating position to be in, especially when your parents aren't sitting in the room. Exactly. Wow. What a learning growing experience. I mean, seriously. Being able to ask for money when you feel like, well, I'm not as worthy as other people. I know there's other kids that, you know, I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to just think if you don't get this amount of money, this is what your loans are going to look like. Yeah. <laughs> just keep thinking about your potential debt. You know, if you get this amount of money, you most likely will be able to get out of school with almost no to very little debt, just enough debt to have gratitude. <laughs> so, whoa, that is a journey. It and at the same time, were you guys kind of vying with other 
programs too to leverage with serious consideration or? Yeah, there was a couple of other programs that he was really highly thinking about. Um, One program I think would have given him like a full tuition. But then when you looked at the cost of living, it wasn't going to be any different. Do you know what I mean? Cost of living was so high that it would come out to be spending the same amount of money. So that was part of the conversation. When we came down to like the last three or four schools, it was really about these are your top four choices. Okay, this one's offering this much. This is what you can get with that. This is how much it's going to cost us out of pocket for, you know, we calculated flights because, of course, everything is not near us. And then, you know, this is cost of living and da, 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 da. And then this is artistically what you feel you're going to get out of the program. This is how you feel about the program and really made him visualize and speak out these things. I mean, some nights it was a great conversation. Some nights it ended in tears, right? That's just the reality of those conversations. They sound much more mature than they really are. Um, <laughs> um And then it just came down to gut. Where do you really feel like is your space? I said, I want you to think about all the experiences you've had with each one of these institutions. Where does your gut say it makes you the happiest? And he goes, you know, mom, when I went back for new student orientation for Penn State in May, so he was there like four times, but he's like, I was on the mega bus coming in from Pittsburgh. He's like, I was coming into Happy Valley. The sun was just perfect. He's like, my whole heart soared that I was so happy to be there. And I was like, well, then I think you have your choice, honey. It's definitely a process. And I, I actually do feel proud of how he managed through it, how he was able to keep being himself. And I really do feel that Moo really helped him in the way that she let him realize that he could just be his entire self. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Because I think as parents, or at least me, I was like all about, you have to be, a, you know, you're auditioning, you're interviewing, you're, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like there had to be like a certain way that things were done. And she really gave him permission to be his full authentic self. And that was a true gift that we got in the process. And a gift for me to be able to step back and say, that's right. This is a completely about him until we have conversations about finances. <laughs> and if him being himself changes their mind, then that says something also about where he should be. Exactly. Somebody said to me about heartbroken for my son, and I was kind of trying to look into it and like, was it this? Was it that? And they said, Lisa, I mean, really, if, if it was that, would you really want him to go there? And I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It just, it just like was a crushed dream for him though, you know, yeah. which crushed me. Yeah. But it, it does all hurt. does work out. It so truly does work out. And, yeah. and in our case with Frankie and Tommy, I feel like for both of them, they really did end up where they were meant to be. Um, Watching other friends go through the process, knowing like what their child needs, the environment they need to be in and, and having them make a decision. It's like any decision that you make, but you're helping a young adult walk through this. It's like, well, you know, which, which is more important? Is it the school or the location for you? 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then if it's location, then, okay, what schools in that location would fulfill this? What if you don't get into those schools artistically, but what if you get in academically, right? Mm-hmm. If location's still most important to you, can you do... Can you do the academic piece there? And is there enough training and enough opportunities for you around there that you can try to be a, a working actor while you're going to school? Can you take voice lessons there? Can you take dance lessons there? I mean, that was what we were going through at Columbia, right? If he had chosen, mm. which he wouldn't have chosen that route because it was way too expensive. I mean, unless he wanted to come out of school with like a zillion dollars of debt. Although they told him it's not a big deal that if you go to Columbia, you can make money off of that. I was like, oh, you guys are sweet and funny. Um, (laughs) But this is my child. This is actually his life. All those considerations, I think, are important for kids to make. There are so many considerations, like, per school. And then when you have so many on the table, it's like a psychological puzzle to try to work through and keep the noise at bay. Did you have this problem where you had to like keep the noise of everyone around you telling you what they should do to just kind of keep it at bay? Yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying. It was more just questions about, have you decided? And then people trying to like help them figure it out (laughs) (laughs) out loud, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think there's, I think Jimin's other issue was there was a couple of directors that would text him while he was in school. Mm. Have you made a decision yet? Let me tell you about why you should make it. You know what I mean? Which was awesome. I mean, what a gift and joy. But at the same time, got this kid who's in AP physics or something, tried to do that. And he's getting a text from the directors. He's like, oh my gosh. And he's a people pleaser. So he's just like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. And I feel like I need to respond back. And, you know, that was stressful for him, actually. Yeah. And on one hand, you're like, how cool is that? But on the other hand, he's a kid. He has all these other things going on. Did they, this isn't, this is a curious question. Did the schools ask him where else he was considering? A couple did ask him where else he's considering and why he was considering those schools. I think that's another reason why Penn State ended up on top. John Simpkins just kind of was like, well, here's what I can offer. He's just very much about what's happening within his lane. And he didn't really ask those other questions Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, who are we against? But I mean, I think they all know. I'm going to be quite honest. I think for a lot of the kids, they know where they're deciding between. Yeah, like I think the directors kind of know. And maybe I'm just surmising. I don't think they know for sure, but I think that they have a good idea. Most of them know, especially those schools who have been in this for a while, maybe probably not the newest, newer programs, Mm -hmm. but the schools that are more established, I think they kind of have an idea of like, we kind of know what kind of student, like if we're accepting them, they're also probably accepting our in the contention for these other schools. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that there's some knowledge there. But there were some that did ask. Jimin practiced a lot on this conversation. He'd just be like, yeah, there are other schools, in, you know, that I'm in conversation with. You know, you're definitely my top choice. My parents and I are trying to figure out what makes the most sense for us both financially and in terms of academics. Because that was the other thing for Jimin. I mean, the reason why Columbia was even of an interest to him, it's the academic piece. He, he's an academic kid. 
mm-hmm. as well as an artistic kid. So he wanted to be someplace where he could be stimulated intellectually. And being in the Honors College at Penn State gave him that kind of Ivy League-ish intellectual piece while still being in an artistically engaging space as well. Besides all the gut feelings and all of that, I think that was also like something where he's like, wow, this is why this feels right to me. Mm-hmm. I have the full campus feel. He's actually knows some football terms now. Very impressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he gets to be in an artistically challenging environment where people are just committed to the artistic process. And he gets that intellectual aspect of it through the Shriers Honors College, right? So he was able to tick every box for himself. Yeah. um, Where each of the other schools ticked a box, but not every box. And being in the Honors College while he's in the MT program, are there more academic classes required of him in his curriculum? It's not so much more. It's two gen eds a semester that are honors level gen eds. Last semester and this semester, he has like 18 units, which is a pretty heavy course load. He actually went to campus with a job and with his schedule and the fact that he's taking some honors classes, you know, did impact that. I think that's something people should talk to the campuses about when they look at them is what does an actual day look like? Because I know at one point, you know, every freshman at Penn State, and I think this is probably true of most campuses, they have to work production side, you know, for the shows. Um, So, you know, Jimin starts class every day at nine. He would have like an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, maybe around 1230. And then have classes again, all the way to 430. And then call for, for production was like 445. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they would go to like 11 o'clock at night and then they'd have all day, you know, production on Saturday and Sunday and they would be there till midnight, right? They'd be like 11 a.m. in the morning until midnight. And, and that's not even being in the production on stage as a character. Yeah. That's moving sets, that's stage crew, that's lighting or wherever you're placed on the crew because everyone's placed in some part on the crew. So, um, and and that's a requirement. Yeah. On top of that, the honors classes have a little there's homework. There's different kind of homework. Yeah. I think some of his fellow classmates maybe only took one gen ed where he had to take two gen eds that are honors every semester to maintain his um, honors scholarship. And he has to maintain a certain GPA to maintain his scholarships as well. So something to keep in mind. I think it's a 3.4. But that still means like when he got mono, he got mono and a sinus infection first semester. Um Frankie went to school with Mono. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, he left for college with Mono. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. <laughs> I mean, they're just, I mean, they're exhausted they're so, anyway. Yes, they're so worn down. Oh my gosh, so worn down, the poor kid. So I think like that happened in the middle of the semester. Um, oh. Jimin's also, he's also part of the Camp Kasem group. So he's, he worked on that, which is something he's really passionate about. It's a national organization. Um, every campus has kind of a, a chapter and um, it's about building opportunities for kids whose families, who've experienced family members who've gone through cancer, um, especially parents. Um, And so they, they raise all this money for these different programs in their area, but also for these kids to go to these um, summer camps 
Oh, wow. And everything. So it's something that he's very passionate about um, because he's seen friends who've had that experience. He also applied for the Student Minority Admissions <laughs> Recruitment Training Program. Jeez. And so that was, he did that because he's like, there's not a lot of Asian representation on campus um, uh-huh. beyond some international students, but there's not really a domestic Asian minority. And so he's, he had an incredible experience with that and he's continuing to do it through the rest of the year where he gives tours. So he had to learn to be a tour guide. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and walk the whole campus. You know, it's like, kind of like right up their alley. Though. It really I mean, is. Kind of like memorizing a script and yeah, know, but giving it your personal twist and exactly. But you but, know, that's yeah, time I mean, in the that's day. A lot of I was like, when are you doing this? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wow. Well, and you know what, being that he went to high school and, but also danced a ton and I mean, time management was a huge part of what he experienced throughout high school. And same with my kids being very involved because they're so well-trained in, in time management, just from living their high school life with this outside interest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, There were two things I realized at Christmas break that I wish we had spent more time. And the first one was personal financial literacy. Mm -hmm. You know, something where they don't get at school. And yes, we had all those great conversations about, you know, loans and all that, but that personal financial literacy that they don't get in high school and because they are so busy during, you know, during these three or four years of their lives before going off to college, you know, they're not really spending money except like, like my kid was more like, Hey mom, I need new dance shoes. Um, Mom, I need gas for the car to get to dance class, which is 45 minutes to an hour away. Mm. Or I'm basically leaving the house at seven 30 in the morning and not coming back till 11 at night. Yeah. I have money to go out to dinner or I need fees for my dance competition. Right. So they're not budgeting it. They're just getting it because it's, it's kind of a need, right? So I really feel like that's one area I wish I had better prepared him for his freshman year at college. One thing we did with our kids in high school, which um, I got this recommendation from somebody that I met along the way. And I, at first I was like, wow, you give her that much money? She gave her daughter like very comfortable amount of money per month. Mm-hmm. We did decide at, at the beginning of each month, starting maybe junior year in high school, mm-hmm. that they would get a certain amount of money. And if they spent it and they needed more, it had to come out of, they needed, they had to figure that out. Um, if they wanted to not spend it and save it and buy clothes with it or whatever, um, then that was up to them. That was a really great piece of advice. And then when they left for college, we did a similar thing. I mean, that number, once they started living outside of the dorm Mm -hmm. was bigger because they were cooking for themselves and, uh, but it did require them to, to figure out like how to use it and how to make it last until they were going to get more. Yeah. 
It's such a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we spent a lot of time having those deeper conversations. And I'm glad that we had this experience freshman year where he was so busy and access to dorm food and cafeteria food wasn't always available. Like when he was available to eat, they weren't open, right? Or something like that. Mm -hmm. So really working that out. I mean, it was, it's a great learning piece. I did something that I wish I had spent more time on before going in. Cause I do think that our BFA kids spend so much time training and doing and everything that, you know, we're constantly paying fees, right? We're constantly paying for this fee to go here and that fee to do this and that fee. Um, I think most of us are good enough intention parents that we're just like, they'll figure it out. They'll get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's okay. Like we, you know, we want you to have this opportunity and I mean, you have to make a conscious effort to talk to them about the investment. Exactly. Exactly. So, and what was the other thing? Um, I can't remember now. Oh my gosh. It left my mind. There was something else I wish I know. <laughs> All the time. It'll come back to me tonight at like two in the morning. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for the follow-up. I love that people will be able to hear you a year ago and now just kind of the full circle of the process. And who knows, maybe I'll catch up with you when he graduates. And <laughs> well, I hope we can catch up sooner than that. I'm really excited to hear about Tommy and his journey. Yes. And I think all the different ones are so beneficial and everyone's is a little different. Like no one's looks the same. No one looks the same. And I think the biggest takeaway is it's never about where you go to school, but what you do with where you go. And yes. if school is even the right place for you because it doesn't always check the boxes. You know, it's not a checkbox. Oh, my kid got into Michigan, so therefore he's the most okay. successful person in the world. No, that's yeah. not one doesn't equal the other. It's just one piece of it's just one tool in your toolbox yeah but there's so many ways to get those tools and everyone yes. just needs to find their own way to fill that toolbox wise wise words yay yay well thank you so much lisa for asking me i feel so honored by it and i oh really appreciate it I feel so honored and thankful that you're willing to share like this and so appreciative. And I have gotten some feedback, maybe a couple handfuls of feedback mm -hmm. on this podcast and it being helpful to people. And so that is very encouraging. And I just think, you know, it comes from you being willing to do this and share openly is it's it's truly a gift and just comes from a really pay it forward heart and knowing what it's like to be in the shoes and hoping that you can help people when it's their turn to stand in those shoes as well so I hope so I hope it helps someone out there and I'm wishing oh I know that any of you that are on the journey when you hear this podcast, whenever you hear this podcast, but especially for those of you right now going to NY New York Unifieds and the weather problems and Chicago <laughs> and those weather problems are gonna hit to just yeah. <laughs> embrace it all and enjoy it and best of luck to everyone. Break legs. Yes. So break legs. <laughs> all well, right. Thank well, you so much, Lisa. Well, thanks so much again, Elizabeth. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye.
So that was kind of a long episode, but I think it was well worth it. And I hope you think so too. I am working on getting things together for my next episode. So keep an eye out. I'd love for you to tune in. Also, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear about how your process is going. If you would like any insight on a specific topic, I'm here as a resource. If you have any suggestions on where I should make this linkable or findable, I would love to hear from you about that. I am on Instagram and Facebook at Processing the Process PTP. On Apple Podcasts, for some reason, I am findable there under my name, Lisa Tams, and that's just L-I-S-A-T-H-A-M-S. Lastly, you can message me on Messenger, which is PTP hyphen Lisa Tams. I hope this will help navigate where you're at and where you're going in this process with your child. Wishing you ease in the process. Peace, calmness, (laughs) and excitement.